Attention nurses and flight attendants, finally. A sports cast for you. That's not gonna work. That's not gonna get anybody involved in this at all. Uh, it says in the yearbook at hotmail.com to contact the yearbook. That is this sports cast, the sports cast that asks, seriously, how did, and I'm here to say, become the de facto second line in every amateur rap? How did somebody start with that? I mean, I guess it's semi-easy to rhyme say with something. Rapping is not easy. If you've ever had one of those, seriously, like an elementary school project that some people do where they have the kids rap and they're like, wow, this is not easy. But how did, how did, and I'm here to say, well, I'm so-and-so and I'm here to say, how did that become the de facto second line? Today, uh, we're talking lacrosse goals in your face competing podcasts. College lacrosse starts in February, just weeks away. A sure sign that spring is on the way. College lacrosse games in February, unless uh, you're listening to us in the Southern Hemisphere, and then spring obviously is not on the way, falls on the way. Also, February lacrosse games are often played in snow and terrible wind, so they're not really a sure sign spring is on the way. Plus, we're talking lacrosse goals in hockey. Andre Svechnikov of the Carolina Hurricanes, whose logo looks like a warped Frisbee being flushed down the toilet, we can't take credit for that, has rightfully gained, rightfully gained, a lot of fame. It's really cool this season, and he's gained the adoration of kids everywhere. Do the move, do the move, for being so good at the so-called lacrosse goal in hockey. This is where, if you're not familiar, if you've never seen lacrosse, you'll have to watch college lacrosse next month. Uh, or hit YouTube to see what we mean by a lacrosse goal. But in hockey, a lacrosse-style goal is where you, not with your hands, just with your stick, you lift the puck up onto your stick, and you get the puck lying flat on the flat blade of your stick, and then you shovel the puck past the goalie, whip the, the puck past the goalie, or shovel the puck past the goalie into the goal that way that is legal. And it's spectacular, and Svechnikov is really, really good at it during games. He's bringing it back, but actually it never left. And now this is going to sound like a criticism, but it's absolutely not. I'm serious about this. We're not being sarcastic for once. It is fantastic that Svechnikov of the Hurricanes has brought the move out and made it a regular occurrence, but it's been around on and off for a while. A nine-year-old went viral not that long ago with a lacrosse-style goal in a one-on-one hockey competition in Boston at the TD Bank Garden. Is that what it was called at the time? Was it the TD something center? Was it the TD Bank Garden? See, this is the problem. I understand the need for corporate sponsorship on arenas, but this is the problem is you can never identify the place you saw a concert or a game because the name keeps changing. It's uh, the former, oh, you mean the, the, no, not that one. That was called something else, but the other one, the round one, no, the square one. It takes forever to just identify an arena because the name uh, is always changing. But anyway, uh, he was nine years old at the time in 2009, and he whipped the puck past the goalie, and that went viral on the internet. Another Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins mention. Uh, in 2007, Wilkes-Barre Scranton's Rob Shrimp turned the lacrosse goal into an actual lacrosse goal, something we have not actually seen anyone outside of lacrosse players do yet in hockey. He actually, with a puck on his stick, he actually whipped the stick around back and forth, just like lacrosse players do in lacrosse, although it was spectacular, but he did that during a skills competition, not, a, uh, not during a game. Uh, staying in the minor league, 
American Hockey League, or AHL. The move was actually supposedly invented by, of course, a minor leaguer who played only one NHL game in his entire life. Bill Armstrong invented the lacrosse move, he says, just fooling around back in the early 90s, but he figured doing it in a game would get him benched. That is until 1993 or 1994, when the coach of the New Jersey Devils farm team, the Albany River Rats in the AHL, told Armstrong doing it in a game would not get him benched. So on a team well-known, seriously, it was hot and cold running prospects at the time for the Devils, on a team well-known for producing a ton of future NHL players, Armstrong scored a few times and gained some fame using the lacrosse move. Now, weirdly, and probably, coincidentally, maybe, the movie uh, D2, Mighty Ducks 2, which came out in the first few months of 1994, hinted at, but didn't totally use the move. And actually, that would have been shot. That would have been filmed supposedly just before Armstrong used it in an actual game. And now all these years later and all these people later, we have a big-time pro, Sveshnikov, who's really good at it and is doing what more hockey players should be doing, which is things that are legal but never get tried. Like standing behind the net and shooting the puck over the back of the net. That should surprise the goalie who's got to watch 50,000 things. He can't constantly keep his eyes on you behind the net. He's, He's supposed to be aware of your presence behind the net. But if you're sneaky enough, you should be able to lift the puck over the net into the front of the net, and either it bounces off the defending team and goes in, legal goal, or one of your guys can knock it in, legal goal. I mean, obviously, if you're just lifting the puck over the net, then it might be an easy play for the goalie just to snag it or for somebody to fall on it. But still, it's it's bound to work, you would think. Um, We actually thought for years that shoveling the puck into the net, like shoveling something into a pizza oven, would get so prevalent that the NHL, unfortunately, would outlaw it. But that has not come close to happening, and some pros say the lacrosse move that is uh, currently being done during Hurricanes games is just too hard for them to even attempt, even though, again, they're among the best players in the world. Crucial detail here, changing subjects, we have not yet seen the Netflix series on the late former Patriots star Aaron Hernandez. Seriously, you really think this podcast can afford Netflix? We have seen most of Discovery ID's series on Hernandez, which brings up, it's funny that so much has changed so radically and overnight, disruptor or disrupting gets uh, gets thrown around a lot. We're talking about broadcasting in this case. But after all of the change, the cutting edge of entertainment is for multiple companies to produce competing series about the same person at the same time. Just like what Hollywood and the TV networks did 40 years ago. So anyway, we're about halfway through the Boston Globe's Gladiator podcast. It's called Gladiator, about Aaron Hernandez, which was done by the Globe's super undercover investigative spotlight team, the one that was spotlighted in the movie Spotlight and won a couple of Oscars. And so far, as you would expect from the the, um, the spotlight team, it is excellent, that podcast. 
just about everything that we've heard about or seen in the Discovery and Netflix series was broken by the Globe in that podcast more than a year ago. And while Discovery ID covers Hernandez's football career with lots and lots and lots and lots of still photos, as well as painful reenactments, the Gladiator podcast got actual game audio, field microphones, interviews, and more game audio. Oh, it's exhaustive. And it's tremendous, but not everyone likes podcasts, obviously, and sometimes you just want to see it, you want to see it with your own eyes, you want to see the video, you want to see the documents and the evidence, so we can understand why uh, you might want to watch an actual series on it rather than listen to an exhaustive uh, podcast on it. That's why uh, the story of Hernandez is so incredible, that's why a, a dramatic movie is definitely not needed, but is inevitable. Just don't go overboard like Discovery ID did. All right, Discovery in this series about Hernandez went way overboard in making Aaron Hernandez the biggest star in the entire world, which is a disservice because that's not the story. Aaron Hernandez was famous and a star, absolutely. But he wasn't even the Patriots' most famous tight end. Hernandez played in the shadow of Rob Gronkowski for his entire career, and Tom Brady was a bigger star than either of them, uh, the coach, Bill Belichick, got much of the attention as well. And you could argue that Wes Welker might have been a bigger star, too, on those Patriots. Uh, even at the University of Florida, Aaron Hernandez was among bigger names, like Tim Tebow and a guy who would eventually have a bigger name, Cam Newton. The Spotlight series is worlds better at keeping things in, in perspective while also taking the time to detail all the moments, all the little moments that made up Hernandez's career, such as all the attention from Florida teammates that his L.L. Bean bag drew from uh, one particular teammate in, in particular who, who didn't know what L.L. Bean was. Hernandez came from New England uh, to the University of Florida. Also, Discovery showed a shot of Muzzy Field, the Connecticut stadium where Hernandez was the biggest star and incorrectly labeled it North Attleboro, Massachusetts. But Gladiator did at one point mention Bristol High School, which doesn't exist. And again, critically, we have not seen the Netflix show, although the trailer and artwork don't look any classier than Discovery's. But again, we have not seen it, so we cannot review it. So much has been made in all of this of Aaron Hernandez's junior year at Bristol Central High School because of the sensational nature of that junior year. Now, if you're in the middle of watching or listening to something and you're not familiar with the case, this does give a lot away if you don't want to know. And that's we should bring that up too. That's something that that we had forgotten is is a lot of people do this, but and I know this is this is the current age of of podcasting and this is the 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 golden topic of of podcasts everywhere is uh is true crime. But we always have had a problem with, and we still do have a problem with, I mean, I know it's kind of a blurry line, but we've always had a problem with calling somebody's life a murder mystery. And they've done, it's been done for years. What is it? What's the CBS show? Is it 48 Hours that does that as well? You take true crime, a real case, and you call it, you know, a murder mystery coming up on, and we've always had a problem with calling real tragedy and a real story a murder mystery. Anyway, what we're about to say, this if you're not familiar with the case, this will give stuff away, so just skip this part. Um, former football teammate Dennis Sansusi. Now, we heard this pronounced a couple of different ways, so we apologize if we're mispronouncing his name. But Hernandez's former Bristol Central teammate, Dennis Sansusi, now says they had an on-and-off sexual relationship. 
star tight end and quarterback together. Now, accounts vary, but this allegedly happened at least through their junior year of high school. Now, not as much is said about Aaron Hernandez's senior year in 2006 when he reported to the University of Florida shortly after his high school football season ended, but that's an important year as well. Now, during Hernandez's senior year, again, shortly after his high school season ended, he would already be at the University of Florida several months early. During his senior year of 2006, the game program, sold by the high school booster club outside the walls of Muzzy Field, had a ram on the cover. They're the Bristol Central Rams, and a roster inside. On the roster, Aaron Hernandez was number 15, a tight end and defensive end listed at six foot four, 245 pounds. What, uh, what was his? Did he weigh less in college? What was his official weight, height and weight, when he arrived at Florida or when he left the University of Florida for the NFL? What was his official height and weight? Uh, we have it. Actually, we're never going to find his Florida media guides in time. We should have pulled every Aaron Hernandez media guide and program. Uh, that is our fault. Exhaustive is not so easy. But Hernandez's senior year of high school, he was 6'4 and 245. Now, by 2006, Dennis Sansusi's, again, we apologize for the pronunciation. By 2006, his senior year, he says he joined the Marines out of high school. He was no longer the Rams quarterback. In the senior year game day program, Sansusi was a running back and linebacker. And on the field in their big rivalry game against Bristol Eastern that season, Sansusi was the defensive MVP, while Aaron Hernandez was the Rams' offensive MVP that day. A friend of the podcast is right now traveling to the Southern Hemisphere, but this episode is over before he could even leave the gate. Nonetheless, last time he traveled to the Southern Hemisphere, he came back somehow Without ever looking to see whether, see, this, the pod, it really does. It goes off on its own. The podcast always goes off on a, on a tangent. It always develops a theme all by itself organically, if that's the correct word. So he came back from the Southern Hemisphere last time without ever once looking to see whether a warped Frisbee being flushed down the toilet would circle in the opposite direction south of the equator. Instead, when he came back, he didn't look. And he tried to explain it away with science, 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 etc. No, no science. This time, we want an actual eyewitness accounting of which way the water is going down the drain. 